Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. Hey, very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy. Joined this week by Danny O'Brien and Simon Stokes. It's our kind of final NFL podcast series episode. Lads, how are things? Good, Dave. Good, Mark. Good stuff, I suppose. Uh, Super Bowl's ended. We will reflect on Kansas City Chiefs 25-22 overtime win over San Francisco 49ers. We'll also have a look at the Irish NFL Combine hopefuls, how they're getting on. We'll also look at some free agents, uh, particularly quarterback position, and also get the lads' opinion on the season that was. I suppose, Danny, we'll start with yourself. The 25-22 win by Kansas City Chiefs may be slow to get going, but certainly plenty of drama, particularly in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, Dave, that's kind of it. In a nutshell, like that that first half was pretty, like if you're looking for a free-flowing game, it sure as hell was not that. Um, but things definitely did pick up. But like you're looking at it going, like it backs up what we mentioned before and the amount of people I just said was who I was chatting with beforehand. Okay, so you can never back against Patrick Mahomes. But my God, do the 49ers have a lot of regrets. I, I'm trying, I've lost, you could have just, it, it's almost like a laundry list of regrets they have from the point of view of, Again, they had the Super Bowl within their grasps and I'm seeing people kind of going and, and highlighting the fact is Shanahan cursed at this stage because it seems no matter what they do, something invariably goes wrong. And I think the, like the, the two perfect examples of that, when was the last time a field goal bo- got blocked? And have you ever seen a player suffer such a horrendous injury running on the field? That, I couldn't believe that when I saw Dre Greenlaw and the injury yeah. he got. And uh, like even the... Uh, like. It was they showed video Mahomes was looking at it going hey he's he's down and and Shanahan's reaction for did, did he get injured running on the field like there, there's some sort of a curse over Shanahan at the moment because my god talk about bad luck yeah Simon get you in there some initial thoughts yeah I think I think Dennis on the ball there um like Kansas I think Kansas were kept in the game in the first half by San Francisco just not being able to execute um, as Danny mentioned, that desperate injury, the green had, and then Kansas picking out his replacement to absolutely harass for the rest of the game. Look, it's, it's you know, you mentioned Shannon. I think Shannon has PDST since the uh, since the Atlanta Super Bowl last in 2018. I just think, like, I know he wasn't head coach, but he was in Matt Ryan's ear. And, like, I, I think he just, he literally still hasn't got over it. He's lost two Super Bowls now as a head coach. And, like, the one... Whatever about the one a couple of years ago, last Sunday night, I just think that that was there for the taking. Mm-hmm. This was far from a vintage Kansas group. Um, and look, it's, 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 look, fair play to them there. You know, Mahomes is unbelievable and backing against him is probably a stupid thing to do. But like, I, I think this is, this is an example of where San Fran could have picked up, um, a Super Bowl and to, to start all over again next year might be, might be difficult. Yeah. Because I mean, we can go down through the first half, guys. I mean, Defense is certainly on top, but uh, I mean, that opening drive from San Francisco looked very impressive. And I know myself and you, Simon, were kind of what's happened during that drive. And like, they were running the football at will. And then, you know, the fumble here, Danny, it's a, I think it's a big point, particularly in the start of the contest. I mean, give Kansas City a bit of a lifeline here. Yeah, I mean, it killed off early momentum and like, again, it's momentum's and it's a tired cliche, but it, it really is like if they had gotten that touchdown with the way the rest of the half went as well. 
and like it, yeah like defense definitely like defense is basically just rules this game in a nutshell you look at Mahomes in just throughout like even the the one big play in the first half was immediately followed up with a fumble on the Kansas City side of things things from Pacheco but like the the Niners defense shut down Mahomes for almost all of the four quarters and the only way they got back into the game was on the back of a special teams error and like hearing the news yesterday or when I saw it on um, on X as it's called now when I saw the news that the defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes had been sacked I just went I couldn't believe it initially and, and like even hearing kind of you're listening to some of the big US networks and channels all of them are just kind of in shock in terms of, of all the people who should have their neck on the line it wasn't the defensive coordinator, if anything, like they were saying, why is Shanahan still have his job? And there's this really bad, weird narrative in terms of there are certain coaches who can basically, they fail up because Wilkes, that defense shut down the Chiefs for nearly those four quarters and only four of that screwed up the, the, yeah, the fumbles, the fumbles kick. Like they were on their way to winning that Super Bowl. I mean, Mahomes didn't get the crucial scores until the end of the game as well. So, yeah, I think Shanahan's got it. This is a big one on Shanahan from the point of view of, like, you can't blame the DC. Like, I sent you on the link earlier, Mark. Yesterday, he was yeah. saying, all the coaches are going to return. And yesterday, they sacked their defensive coordinator. <laughs> it's a terrible look for him and for the 49ers. Bosa came out with some strange comments after the game with San Francisco Press in terms of the run game reads and stuff like that on the homes. I mean, certainly they would have prepared. And as you say, Danny, quite rightly, they kind of negated the homes. But Simon, I mean... Defensive coach getting the sack here. It's kind of um He's least responsible. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought yeah. so. Do you know it's funny? And like we spoke about earlier on the year, do you know as far as I know, like from a stats point of view, they were fairly high up there. Do you know they were ranked they were third. Yeah, they were, were they third overall. Was it eight, yeah, nine, I, overall I think for the entire season they were third. They, they did concede. I looked at some of the stats, they compared regular season to postseason, but like they were up against the Packers and the Lions who were very offensive minded and so were the the Niners, but yeah, they were third overall kind of throughout the entire season, which makes it even more perplexing. Yeah, I was I, I was the same as yourself. I was kind of half surprised when Wilkes got the road. Um, at the same time, I was just looking at through a couple of um, San Francisco 49ers, you know, fan groups on Facebook and that. Do you know what? It was kind of mixed. There was a few of them that, you know, quite, I'd say it was kind of 50-50. That's, a lot of people were happy enough to see him go. Um, that there was games during the season, I think against the Vikings, the last play in the first half was pointed out as one of them um, that, you know, it, it possibly was, you know, um, um, it was possibly um, not, the, not the biggest surprise that he got the sack. Do you know what I actually thought? Let's say, I know he's he's after falling on his sword now as the defensive coordinator, but I actually think it was possibly a worse sign of how San Francisco have tried to build their roster. Do you know, they spent an awful lot of money on their f- defensive line and, their linebacker position, you see, he saw the fall off between like Greenlaw goes down, Oren yeah. Burks comes in and gets absolutely hammered. And you know, like it's grand having you know your first choice players. Um, and obviously, there's going to be a small bit like you see it every week, you know, a corner goes down and he's the, the replacement is who they throw the ball to the very next stage, you know. But I, I think it's you know, for a Super Bowl, um, a Super Bowl team, uh, you know, an NFC championship team. You know, you don't expect there to be that much of a fall off. Um, and I say, you know, fair enough to not sack your, your um, defensive coordinator. But like, if you look at the overall scheme of things, is it going beyond Shannon that is covering his backside here? You know, if you're looking at you're looking at the front office, who rather than you know, putting up their own hand and saying there's too much of a fall off here between our number one linebackers and our, our 
our number two linebackers who are going to get absolutely targeted for the remainder of the game, do you know? Um, are they just kind of covering up for themselves? Um, like going back to what you were saying, Mark, I, I think like that first drive, like San Francisco came up with so much energy and they have so much misdirection in what they were doing in the backfield. And like Tony Romo even said it in, in commentary that like you literally, how can you defend against this? Because it could be coming from any one of three or four places. And I think there was a complete opposite thing in the second half when they came out. They came out in the second half. And if you even saw, like they were seemed to be almost struggling to get up to the offensive line. They were nearly spent after what had gone on in the first half. And it was almost like they were, I suppose they had played reasonably well offensively in the, in the first half. Doing all these misdirections, all this movement, and it's almost like we're still only up seven points at half time. And were they, I think they were nearly beating coming out into the field coming into the second half. Yeah, because I mean, look, Kansas City Chiefs, there were three and out, three and out, you know, quite a, quite a bit of that first half. I suppose one of the other narratives that take is the, the story of the field goal kickers here, uh, Danny. I mean, you had Jake Moody hitting a 53 meter um, field goal, longest in Super Bowl history. And then obviously, Butker, I know Mahomes, uh, Kelsey, the, the Hardyman Jr., they're all getting applauded, but certainly I think Butker mm. here has to have an enormous credit here because he really did keep Kansas City and the Chiefs really in the game uh, yeah. for long periods. Although it was funny, kind of the Niners have the record for the longest field goal and it lasts how many hours? <laughs> it's just it's all the luck they have as well. But that's yeah, it's kind of the, it's especially kind of in Super Bowl games as well. Like you go back to the very the, the last dynasty and what was that built on? It was built on Adam Vinatieri's field goals in the crucial suit. Like even the one that sealed that dynasty, the against the Eagles, they were ten points up, but his kick ended up being the crucial, and he's now he's Hall of Fame bound. He will be like he's 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 been um, he's going to be nominated for it next year. But yeah, I mean, the field goal kickers, it's one job they have to do. We'll be chatting about the Irish lads who are currently over trying to play their trade there. But it's a crucial job that they have to do. And it's yeah, it was a really weird game from that perspective in terms of, like, if you'd gone into this and said Mahomes will have one touchdown in, in regulation and the rest of it will be kicking, like, not many people would believe you from that point of view. But, like, even the fact that the Niners, the, the blocked field goal, the last blocked field goal I can think of was at Minka Fitzpatrick blocking against the Bengals two years, the first game of the season. And the only reason I remember it is because it was a it was an acid trip of a game as a Steelers fan. Like after it, I had to there was games after it and I had to switch them off because I was so emotionally exhausted from the blocked field goal, the missed field goal in front by the Bengals, the field goal from the Steelers that hit the post, and then there was finally a kick. But yeah, the kicker and like to have a blocked field goal and of all games for the specials teams to collapse. For the Niners, it had to be like again. They get they they get that the Chiefs had to go for two points. They didn't have to because of it. Like it's it was really like if you're looking at plots and the way that a game is going to play out, a lot of stuff you would have had some real interesting bingo cards because a lot of things happened that not many people would have predicted. But yeah, the kicking was in the end it was the thing that kept the Chiefs in it. And Mahomes was eventually able to get them into the game. And Travis Kelsey was finally able to get into the game. Obviously, he had one catch in that first half nearly concussed his coach um but he got into the game and he played a crucial part like the final drive he set it up perfectly for them and like he ended up getting the most in terms of receiving yards and that's three super bowls for him and like if if he was to retire it's not looking like he will but if he was to retire he'll be up there with gronk as the all-time great tight end as well in the sport yeah simon get you back in there i mean talking about butker here but i mean on the 49ers side jennings had a very prominent game particularly receptions wise the two touchdowns one from McCaffrey and also one from Purdy who was solid 
Um, let's be brutally honest there. Um, yeah, just an awful lot of things were conspiring for uh, Simon on San Francisco in that second half. I mean, Greenlaw, we've talked about the Achilles. Samuel then has a bit of a hamstring twig. Kettle, who I thought might have had a prominent role here. Only Two for four. four. <laughs> Super four. Um, so, I mean, look, to be perfectly fair here, Simon, you know, there was struggles here. Do you feel this was, I think you've alluded to it here, but injuries certainly were a bit of a factor here for... Uh, I look, injuries were a factor, but look, I go back to the game. After half time, I think they came out a beaten team. I think Shannon had gone back into his box. Like in the second half, if you bring the players' calls that he was making, like uh, McCaffrey touched the ball twice in the third quarter. It made no sense, you know. To, and he joyed that they had in the first half was in the back of his runs. I thought it put pressure, like he, he threw a bit on first stone in the third quarter. And I, took per, I think it put pressure on Purdy straight away because most of those throws on first stone. Um, were, were incomplete and all of a sudden then you're looking at second and ten and that's not where you want to be with Purdy I think Purdy comes into his own when you have you know four yards and you have you know you have numerous ways of, of, of making it up um, to be honest in the, in, in the, particularly in the third quarter and to a certain degree in the fourth quarter I think it looked like Shannon lost all faith in Purdy I think he'd lost he'd lost, he'd lost total faith in, in the calf rate. Um, Brandon Ayuk, who I mentioned here before and was very, very important in the NFC Championship game for them. Brandon Ayuk, I think, had, had he three targets all day? Like it was, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was absolutely nonsense. So, like, going back to your point about Jennings, I think Jennings, obviously, he did come into the game, but it was almost as if that Shannon had lost so much faith in his main playmakers, Kettle as well. He'd lost so much faith in his main playmakers and his ability to get them open that his go to planned in was who else might be around the place that will be open. And that's where, where Jennings came into his game plan. I think he looked, looked totally, he, as I said, you know, I think he's, I think still he said since 2018. And uh, look, you know, to be honest with you, you know, at the end of the game, um, like I think, I think Shannon, I know he's not on the defensive side of the ball, but the, the San Francisco's last drive um, where they got stuffed on, was it a third and five or a third and six? Uh, McDuffie came in and and uh, blocked Jennings actually again on a on a sharp reception. Like sure, Stevie Wonder could see that play coming. You know they weren't they, they weren't going to leave him. They weren't going to leave uh, Purdy picked him off for six yards and iced the clock. You know they would have been in they would have been in a position in that they could have iced it. They were inside the two minute warning, um, and they could could have kicked the field got to win of a sixteen all at that stage. Do you know one thing I was awful up or you know disappointed with as well in overtime. And I know, look, they're talking about analytics and this. he shouldn't have taken the ball and all that kind of crack. But in overtime, when they had a third and was at four, you know, they're at the very, very end of overtime and they are drive. They had a third and four. I can't understand the mindset that, look, fair enough, they didn't make the completion, but they didn't go for it in fourth down. Like, they would have needed some kind of stop anyway. Um, like, do you know what I... If you have McCaffrey and, and you have the uh, juice, the, the full back in front of you, if you have the two in, surely be to God you say to yourself, right, if I'm at third and four, third and five, I have two downs to get a first down here, do you know? And go for your touchdown. Because like it was as clear as day that if Kansas got the ball back, they were going to get a touchdown the other end of the field. They were very lucky that our San Fran were very lucky that time ran out in the first or in regular time because I'd say they would have gotten a touchdown in their field position and the game could have been finished in regular time. So do you know actually if, if Dan Campbell was there, I think Dan Campbell would have been uh, would have been going for those <laughs> Um, unfortunately, he wasn't there. But I think I think um, a, a good way to summarise what happened in San Francisco 
overall is I think I think Kyle Shannon needs to needs to gain back his uh, his balls to be honest with you. Yeah, like Danny, I mean some of the calls right down the stretch there from the 49ers were fairly baffling, I would say. And in overtime would you have taken the ball? First. It's interesting the, the the amount of analysis there's been around it. Like they even said that when the when the coin when they made the the toss and he said we're going to take it. Like apparently even the refs were like, do you really like? It's almost like are you sure about that now? Do you want it? Like it's obviously do you want to take this prize instead of leaving? Like they said, Mahomes is very often he's not flustered in terms of body language, but even he had a look on his face of what. And it's like it sounds like kind of for all the 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 reputation around preparation and that like even the players at the sideline from the Niners side they were saying, did you know that that was a rule? Oh no, we didn't know. And like that's a pretty big error to make in the biggest game of the year. So like yeah, it, it just sounds like there's so much that the Niners just they literally did drop the ball from that point of view. And like they said, like I mean Mahomes, it was set up for him. It was perfect from that point of view. Like I saw somebody, it was a, a figure, it was up online that um, yeah, it was kind of there's been 125 drives in the fourth quarter, and it went to kind of the stats was a Brady, he was five for eleven, Drew Brees was three for six, Matt Patrick Mahomes, he, he's seven for seven. Like he's the last player, he's like Johnny Wilkinson in front of the goalposts. He's the last quarterback on planet Earth you want to have driving against you with the game on the line, and they did that, and it's yeah, if I'm if I'm the Niners organization, I'm I would be sick at the way that that game has gone and like they they just it's it there's serious questions from their point of view. The one thing that they're fortunate with is Brock Purdy doesn't get his big boy contract for another year, so they can keep a nice bit of that core together. But like, is there trauma they're suffering from this? Because when you consider they've been how like they between them and like the Chiefs, they've nearly played an extra season in terms of those additional playoff games. So like, how many times like similar to the Bills, how many times can you get to the big game and choke? Because <laughs> that's what they did. And it's very like not San Francisco 49ers like historically. Very Kyle though. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that's true. But like you see Jerry Rice at the start, you know Joe, Joe Montana, mm-hmm. Tommy Taylor. These guys got the job done back then. But this group, I don't know, Simon. It seems like there could be a bit of a hangover effect next season. What do you think? Yeah, I think it. Like you just don't know, but like it, it, it strikes me as a situation that could get very sore very quick there. Um, like Ayuk and his brother were already on social media giving out about you know how much ball he got and so on. His brother was even throwing up, I think, pictures of the Raiders, you know, crest and all that kind of crap. God, why to, were there? Yeah, well, <laughs> he might they might like like their few days in Vegas then. Um, there you go. Do, do you think do you think Purdy's going to get paid? I I kind of when you look when you look through their team and like there isn't there doesn't seem to be that many weaknesses. Obviously we've mentioned linebacker, but when you look through their team, so offensively, he's going to blame someone. And I, I'm going to I wonder they're going to blame like some of Purdy's. I know Purdy was fairly efficient and so on, but like particularly in the third quarter he wasn't great and some he did miss some fairly wide open catches. I'm just wondering. Like I I don't know will they go to um, try and pick someone up in free agency. But I wonder if a quarterback felt him in the draft, would they think about it? There is an option there. Like they, they do have the like they do have the cap space available. Like I mean, granted their history in the drafts as well when it comes to quarterbacks hasn't been very good. Like I mean, you're looking at this summer and some of the quarterbacks available. Is there someone like do they just need somebody who gets the job done? Like and I get the feeling like you see you're seeing Kirk Cousins being available, but does he fall kind of under the the Alex Smith mold? 
in terms of he was there with the Niners and kind of he did a job for them, but did he do enough? And yeah, I think again uh, for them as for everybody else, quarterbacks the big question. I mean, it'd be ballsy if they did, but from the sounds of it, they said that Purdy is their he is the quarterback that they've chosen. But even thinking there with Shannon, he's like historically he's not noted for developing quarterbacks either. So it's a really it's it, it is a big question they have to answer. Yeah, yeah. you you couldn't you couldn't see you couldn't see them giving Purdy. You couldn't see him giving forty million. You know, like I know he's. He needs... Well, Daniel Jones got forty million, so that's anything's possible in that case. Yeah, There's the market right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but I think the 49ers front office, you know, Shanahan. I mean, some of the discussions that have been going on this week, and I'd said it'll continue into the next few weeks. I mean, it's video nasty stuff, really, guys, isn't it? You know, going mm-hmm. into overtime and stuff. But uh, look, let's switch to Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes here. I mean. You set it up nicely here, Danny, in terms of it would set up for him to be yep. that ESPN, the man, you know, documentary. And I think an awful lot of plaudits has gone to him, particularly with his kind of play calling, but also his running ability here as well to get himself out of a few long jams, particularly third, third and five. There was a fourth down as well. He was when 49ers weren't taking risks. Kansas City were kind of literally embracing it. And I suppose Simon. What can you say about Mahomes? You know, he gets it done down the stretch. Yeah, I love Mahomes. Um, like I, the first time I saw Mahomes was the day after Thanksgiving in uh, 2016. It was the year before he was drafted. And like I, you know, I'd watch a bit of college football, but I wouldn't watch an awful lot of it. But um, it was on, like there was kind of a slate of a couple of games on Black Friday, and I watched one of them. Um, can't remember who they were playing, but he had this ridiculous game. Like he threw, he picked up a ball, he threw an 80-yard touchdown. The next drive, he picked up, he threw an 81 yard touchdown. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. And I was saying to myself, geez, this fella, this fella looks unreal. And I, I've been doing a bit of reading up on um, the Kansas general manager during the week, um, a fella called Veach. He came over with Andy Reid from, um, from Philly, and he's kind of worked up his way to general manager position with, um, with Kansas. And basically, he would have been in front office or being general manager position just directly after that draft and like Reed speaks about how that when Mahomes was a freshman in college the Veach was coming to him with videotapes saying this is the best I've ever seen you know and like Mahomes has seriously you know returned on the, on that promise um like got an ideal situation there you know got his year behind Smith um sitting learning you know got his chance to learn the this the, the whole offensive scheme there and you read, obviously, is an absolutely fantastic, I'd say, kind of leader and looks after all, you know, his quarterbacks and so on. Um, Mahomes is brilliant. Like, he had 333 yards the other day. But, like, what I actually think was the most important part was he got 66 yards on the ground. Like, when Mahomes ran with the ball the other day, it was game-changing position every time that he nearly ran, you know, um, and, and put them in position. Um, like, obviously, he has his wide receivers. It's guess to think though that Valdez Scantlin has two Super Bowl rings now. At the same time, when he was with um, when he was with Green Bay, you had um, you had uh, what's his name across the other side of him, um, like the what? two of them, Devontae Adams. Yeah, Adams. Yeah. yeah, like if you were saying to yourself, Devontae Adams uh, would be at this stage in his career with no Super Bowl rings, and Valdez Scantlin at the other side, just a kind of a speed merchant who happens to have. But turns out never enough pair of hands in him, uh, and he has super two super ball rings. It's absolutely gas. But 
But uh, yeah, like I, I, from what I read under them, Holmes, like he's a team player as well. He's only going to restructure the contract again next year. So like, yeah. you restructured the contract there. All of a sudden, Kansas can bring in one or two playmakers. There's some very tasty wide receivers hitting the free agency market. Do you know, if you throw in a Mike Evans there on top of him or a T Higgins, all of a sudden, do you know, Kansas could be going for the three pieces they're saying, uh, stateside. Yeah, like Danny, I mean. We won't go into it in terms of celebrations, but what Mahomes did say, we're not going anywhere. We're not finished here by a long mm. way. And the fact that he is looking to restructure the contract feels a bit Tom Brady-esque in New England Patriots. Every year, there was always that bumper negotiation, but it was always restructured. They always got one or two good free agency signings, I suppose. Danny, Kansas City are the barometer here, and they continue to be the center bear next season. Oh yeah, they are. I mean, six AFCs, four like they've been in four Super Bowls. They're 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 the new. Who would have thought we'd only be waiting a year or two for another bloody dynasty? Um, but that they've they've kind of come along. They've replaced the Patriots, and again, like the Patriots have shown that template as you highlighted, or even like Brady has shown the template when he went to Tampa Bay. Players will be willing to go to Kansas City if even if they're not getting the big money because they know. At the very least, they're getting into probably a championship game. So they will look at it from that standpoint. Like a lot of talk before the Super Bowl was, will Andy Reid be retiring? It sure as hell doesn't look like that now. Is Travis Kelsey going to be retiring? It doesn't look like that now. Like when you're looking at the Chiefs, like they at the wide receiver core, they're definitely looking, they're going to be upgrading on that. And it also sounds like probably the most important signing that there was for the Chiefs was when Chris Jones's contract the, the, the negotiations when that finally got sorted because he made yeah he made Purdy like just linking with Purdy he made Purdy's life a living hell he only had about, about two seconds in the pocket in order to do things from there so it even sounds like Jones may be staying like this there's serious echoes of the Patriots of players will be willing to go to Kansas City even if they're not getting paid what they think they should be because they know there's a very good chance that they're going to come out on the other side w- with a ring and like you mentioned Simon some of the wide receivers coming onto the market they're very um and yeah kind of when you consider the wide receiving core they basically didn't have this year and they still won like that just shows you if Mahomes has a number one receiver he can tr- he can throw to be it Evans be it Higgins like they could like their offense could be another level and like this was the youngest defense in the league this year youngest I mean good god and they were the one of the best in the league as well so they they seem to have a lot going forward from that point of view and yeah i think they will do what brady did P- people are going to join the program because of what him and reed can give you in terms of rings at the end of it oh completely and look simon andy reed what can you say about him he's had a stellar career even for the philadelphia eagles you know he was always well respected in the nfl family but i mean the three super bowls now i mean a, a coach that has 100 game wins for two franchises i mean this guy just seems to be a complete father figure to the players in this locker room. And uh, look, I think the Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid kind of <laughs> shot that was kind of literally portrayed more than Taylor Swift during the, the, the first half. I mean, to be fair to Andy Reid, I think, you know, an outstanding coach here and uh, kept his cool and composure. And what more can be said about the guy? So when you when you hear him speaking to the players and, and how the players speak of him, um, even though like he's years and years older than him, I suppose his main factors he can he can somehow relate to them, okay, and that they they'll die on the on the field for him, you know. Um, I I watched his interview there last year. He did an interview on the the New Heights podcast with the two Kelsey yeah. brothers, and he actually he actually drafted. He was in Philly when Jason was mm-hmm. drafted into Philly, 
and he was like obviously in Kansas when when Travis came in there and like he's um, how those two brothers speak of him like it is like literally a second father figure you know um, and even the way that you know like I know an awful lot was made he probably shouldn't have bumped him as one in sideline but um, I know an awful lot was made about the incident with, with Travis on the sideline the last day but I, I think that's I think that's more of a factor because of this kind of almost like this family field, you know, and this kind of, um, you know, players aren't afraid to approach him. Whereas, like, you never see something like that with Belichick, who was a totally different type oh of manager. Oh, my God. Style, God, you God. Know? Can you imagine imagine that? doing that to people. Kicked out men. No, do you know, like, and like every, I know there's different types of management styles and leadership styles and so on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think... Um, I think Reed is a fan. He comes across as a fantastic fella. Um, do you know another factor? Like something struck me when they were connoted the start of the game the last day. San Frank came out with their beatboxes and their, do you know, all the players. Do you know your personalities, your Trent Williams, your uh, Debo out in front and so on. Whereas what struck me was when Kansas were coming out, Reed was walking almost stumbling out in front of all these six foot whatever they are pro athletes ready to go. But he was the father figure out in front of them when they were walking out that tunnel, you know. Shannon came out probably with, with his laptop five minutes behind everyone else, you know. But uh, yeah, I, Reed is a fantastic fella. And like I, I mentioned the last day that, that we spoke, I thought that retirement could be on the door. But And I, th- I think it possibly was, but like he's not going to leave knowing there's the chance of of this, this tree piece occurring, you know. Mm. And to go down in, like he's already going to go down, like he's going to be a Hall of Famer and so on. But um you know, to do something as well that's, that hasn't really been done before, you know, it would be an amazing feat for him. So, yeah, big fan of Andy Reid and uh, look hope you will have him for another few years anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I know we won't touch on it, but I think what happened in Kansas yesterday could galvanise the city as well and the franchise. Mm. So, uh, to be fair to Tom Brady as well has been very outspoken on the league this season as well. He's really criticised in terms of the consistency and he's really called three teams out of it. Kansas City and Philadelphia were the top two there. So, I think... If you're Andy Reid or anyone else prospectively wanting to join that ball club, if Andy Reid is your head coach, I think you're really looking for your agent to do a magnificent job and get you into that franchise as soon as possible. Look, guys, 25-22, I mean, overtime win for Kansas. I mean, look, they've cemented their legacy and dynasty here. Massive congratulations uh, to them. I suppose, guys, can we move on? I mean, we're kind of into combine season in the NFL and we have a bit of Irish interest with uh, Mark Jackson, Rory Began, Daryl Leader, Charlie Smith. And also there was the Lewis Rees-Samet uh, left field mm. move as well from Wales, I suppose, guys. From an Irish perspective, it's an exciting time here, uh, Danny. Yeah, no, definitely. Actually, Ty Leader, the, who's kind of been, he's been the one coordinator from the Irish perspective. I actually interviewed him before and we nerded out talking about kicking for an hour straight. Um but yeah, no, like it's like even there's video if you even if you check up like um he's he's shown Rory Begum kicking from 65 yards and like that's skill like there's a lot of talking around like I mean we're made for it between rugby Gaelic football like between all the sports we play like even one of the players that they managed to get over in the college system when he was he was just doing training and their punter went down injured and they asked him could you punt and he was like yeah it's like no problem like we're like you're looking at it from the point of view like the four irish who were on that program they're all kickers and it makes perfect sense because i think i mentioned to you believe before we we started live here i wish this was around 20 years ago because i would have gone over to the u.s because i could kick like it was just and just kick or punt it's i mean we're made for it and like it's definitely there's great opportunities there for 
players in the college system, you get a scholarship, you don't need to worry. Like Tiges highlighted some of the Irish who are already over there and he said it's life-changing and all they have to do is kick a bloody ball. They don't have to be hit. Well, they're smart, but they don't have to be hit. Like they have to kick a ball at most 10 times. Like it's, it's, and it's really doing a great job in terms of spreading the word about the sport too. And at least from the Irish standpoint, it hasn't been as traumatic as the Reese Samish going to the US and going for the NFL combine because like you could see Welsh fans were in complete shock around it because he was the poster boy. Like even when the Netflix series went out, they nearly had to re-edit it because nearly every player featured is no longer playing for their country. <laughs> Facts. I mean, Simon gets you in there as well. I mean, granted to the Irish guys, they're, you know, three of them are going for kicker positions and obviously Dara Leader is going for the punting role. But I mean, even from a resamit perspective, like I mean some of the press clips, he was like, Am I a wide receiver? Am I a running back? I'm not quite sure. And I'm kind of like, well, you're going into a combine. Yeah. That's not good. Like, you know, yeah. you need you need to be deciding here. And I mean, look, these combines are vicious in terms of the questioning, the interviews, the plays that you have to memorize. I mean, Simon, this is a pretty daunting kind of challenge for these guys. It is, yeah. Um I suppose I suppose the main advantage that you know the European guys and I suppose there's Australians and so on go on to this is that you know, um, because of the NFL this international program they're getting an extra roster spot for the practice yeah. spot for one of these players you know, and it's all 32 teams can bring one of these players in, and I suppose dependent on needs, and um, they might look at someone like Rishamid and say to themselves, do you, do you know what we could use this fellow as a project player take him in the practice squad for a few years and see how it goes. Like the practice squad, the general kind of wages, you're probably getting about 10 grand a week um, you know, on a good practice squad contract for the regular season. Like that'll keep him happy enough over there, you know. Um, and I'd imagine someone will take a punt on him. Regarding the four Irish lads, I, I, to be honest, I, t- I think, even though Began looked very impressive kicking that gesture and, and leader, I think their age profile will probably go against them. So you're looking at two lads that are going over the 30 mark. I think that's going to be too too old. Like, I suppose the best example, like, you know, the Saints punter this year, Headley, he's an Australian lad, very interesting character. But he came in, like, he came into the league at 30 years of age. But he had done it nearly five years in the collegiate system over in or in um, in the US. You know, he finished up in Miami, um, the Hurricanes. And so he, he had gone through the college system and I suppose he kind of had, you know, the, the kicking smarts or the game smarts, you know. And I wonder is it going to come against the, that come against the old Irish lads? I'd give Jackson Smith a better chance, but I, I'd give them a better chance if they maybe came in via the, the college route, you know. If this exposure they're getting from this, if there's a possibility that someone will come in, them, someone, someone will come in and give them um, a scholarship and try and come in that way. Um, I know a guy, but I don't know him, I know of him, that's been trying to make it as an American or a kicker over in America for the last few years. Um, he's a friend of a friend, but you know, he's gotten very, very close to making, you know, being seen at these kind of combines and these kind of trials and so on. But he says if when it comes down to it, if there's a decision between an Irish fella coming over there that might have all the talent in the world and an American who's been playing it since he was six, that the the scouts and so on will always go for the lad that's been playing the game the whole time. And I don't know will that come against the older Irish fellas. But definitely Jackson and Smith, like if they, as I said, if this exposure gets them into the college system, even if they only played two, three years in college, uh, like, do you know, you mentioned any tight leader. Like, I, do you know, as far as I know, he's a couple of players that are over there. Yep, there's a few in the, in, the, yeah. in the collegiate system already. Yeah, like, you're, like Jackson and Smith were only bought around the 20, 20 mark. Like, you know, they're plenty young enough to give it a year or two. Um, like, it's, it's, it's hard to see 
it's hard to see any of the any of the franchises going away almost wasting a free roster spot on a kicker when they can be bringing in someone like Reece Emmett and you know possibly try and nurture them over the next two three years and see where that goes. So yeah, I look hopefully they'll get on the right and hopefully they'll they'll um, give good give a good representation of themselves. But I I I doubt the older lads. I doubt any of the kickers will make the roster spot. But look, here's hoping. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Florida at the moment anyway. And I mean, some social media videos have been looking quite good as well. So look, best look to the guys anyway. It's, um, you know, enormous move to kind of put yourself out there, particularly on a combine like this. So, I mean, best look to the guys and let's hope for some positive news there in the next few weeks. Uh, I suppose, guys, can we look at free agency? I think you've touched upon it there a little bit in terms of wide receiver core. I'll throw you two names here, Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill here. Where do you think likely they're going to be flying their trade next season, Danny? Well, Cousins has been linked with Pittsburgh, so I'm not lying. I've actually checked up Sports Illustrated. Like the apparently Cousins's group already said, yeah, he'd be open to a move there. Now, as to whether the Steelers can afford in terms of what his cap hit would be, is a completely different story. Like even ta- and it's weird. Like both him and Tannehill have been linked. Tannehill because of the the obvious coaching link. But it's yeah, even Justin Fields weirdly has been linked with them as well in terms of if the Steelers were to send the Bears a, re- a good enough um, selection in terms of trading. But um, like yeah, with Cousins, like he's he's kind of got his pick because there are going to be a lot of teams out there who will want a quarterback like him. Um, if he went to Pittsburgh, I'd be delighted. Um, I, I'm just being selfish there because he has been he has been genuinely linked with them. So like it wouldn't surprise me if either of him or Tannehill do actually end up at the Steelers. And aside from that, I haven't really been following anything else because I'm still laughing at thinking that those two could be there. And again, like it's it's kind of linking back to Kenny Pickett from the point of view of like he does need competition because. They are moving quarterbacks out as is like Mitch Trubisky. When we mentioned Mahomes, both of them were the same draft. He was drafted ahead is going to be the famous, the most famous what could have been for the Bears. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if either of those two actually does end up in um, in Pittsburgh. Like they're even saying here on PFF that Cousins, the most the most um, the biggest comparison is Phil Rivers when he left and was with the Colts. So, I mean, I really would be surprised if he does end up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, Simon, get your thoughts. Yeah, I, I think Tannehill will end up in Pittsburgh, Danny. I, I think they are just big Crap. There. Yeah, <laughs> I think they are just, they are just big connection there will will do the job. Like, do you know the Arthur Smith offense? Do you know they're going to have a big year next year as Najee Harris? It's like the Arthur Smith offense is all ground and pound. And uh, I'd say you're going to be looking at all you want as a game manager. Tannehill had a good year a couple of years ago. Do you remember they got to the playoffs? Um, mm. So, like, I, I, I wouldn't be so too surprised now at all to see Tannehill there. I, I, I don't know. I think Cousins could, could end up staying in Minnesota if they can figure some way of paying him. Um, like, I you know, the early season kind of talk was, or early off-season talk was that he was kind of trending towards staying there. You know, his family are settled and all that kind of crack. So I, I think Cousins, now obviously Cousins is a very, very good quarterback. So where he goes, um, God only knows. I, I can't see him I can't see him going to, you know, a rebuild project or anything like that. You know, I can't. No, see not him that old. To, no. Um, so like, yeah. I think he'd be perfectly happy. Like he has, he has Justin Jefferson to, to throw the ball to there in Minnesota. I, I think he'd be foolish to move on. They have Hawkinson as well to tight in. So like, if if they make him any kind of a reasonable, like he's his money made. So if they make, if they give him any kind of a reasonable offer, I could see him staying there. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with Baker Mayfield. I, I think Baker would want to stay in Tampa Bay. But as I said there a few weeks ago, 
Like if Bay, if Mayfield, if he gets paid, Mike Evans is going somewhere else, you know, and there's an awful lot of suitors for Mike Evans as well. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that was, you know, finishes up. Yeah, absolutely. No, going to be an exciting free agency market, particularly the quarterbacks. I think plenty of pass rushers as well have been kind of catching the eye as well. Uh, definitely the likes of Hunters and Reddick as well. So all to play for. I suppose, guys, before we go, end of season thoughts anyway. I mean, another season down in the NFL. What's what's one highlight and maybe a hope for next season, Danny? Um, I suppose like, from a highlights perspective, you can nearly say the Lions Niners game just in terms of the sheer drama of it. And I actually was in. I chatted with someone last week. He's a Niners fan. He was in, at the NFC game. Like I could just imagine the atmosphere in the stadium when the the their version of the immaculate reception happened. So definitely that would be a, a highlight just in terms of just how insane that game was and kind of flipping it. The Chiefs-Ravens was so fascinating to watch from a defensive standpoint. So the the two championship games, I think, really did stand out this year. The rest of the playoffs, actually, no, the highlight for me is the Packers-Cowboys game. Sorry, I love seeing Den or anytime the Cowboys. I, I just, it was going to happen, but I didn't expect it to be so spectacular. So that will be my highlight for the season. <laughs> yeah, Simon, get you in there. Uh, hide it for the season. Jesus, what should I say for that? Um, I, I, you know, I, I look. I, I, I thought the season took an awful long time to get going this year, and um, I suppose you know, a personal highlight for me was day one. You know, opening Monday night football and that the first minute one touchdown. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought it was about the last yeah. minute of that game, than the first one of the game. Oh. But you know, the 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 return or the punt return touchdown to for a walk off win. That was a big highlight for me. Unfortunately, for it, from a Jets point of view, the season went just totally downhill after that. Um, but no, like uh, you know, like it's it, uh, as I mentioned before, it was kind of a, a whole kind of a youth kind of a trend. So a whole lot of rookies that stood out. So highlights for me probably um, Puka having a fantastic season with um, with the Rams, who I think are a team that could go very well again next year. Um, you're looking at your tight end up in Detroit. Support I having such a great you know rookie season. Um, I'm I'm looking I'm you know I'm really looking forward to next year already. Even though we've months and months to wait for it, but yeah, overall you know I finished you know as I said it started kind of slowly, but I think it finished up a hot enough season. Yeah, I suppose season highlight for me would be look Kansas City. Look, I mean they got the job done at the business end of the day, but I think Detroit Lions was a great story during the year. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the whole kind of. Yeah, the uplift that it gave to the whole city of Detroit, Dan Campbell as well, you know, just no nonsense um, stuff there. And hopefully the hope for next season that maybe we get more competitive teams here. I mean, more consistent performing teams, really. Um, I mean, we probably will have Kansas City there, obviously. Buffalo Bills is the window kind of uh, closing in on them. Philadelphia Eagles, you just never know, but... Hopefully we may get another one or two uh, teams there, and maybe hopefully New England Patriots. <laughs> but I doubt it very much. Hopefully but, I mean, not for the next two decades. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, to be fair, you know, end of an era with you know Pete Carroll and also Bill Belichick gone, so it'll be very interesting to see with Seattle and New England where those ball clubs evolve. But anyway, guys, I think we've come to the end of the podcast series. I really thoroughly enjoyed this in the last few weeks. Um, Danny, do you want to give yourself a plug there in terms of uh, how people can reach out to you? 
Yeah, sure. Um, probably what was Twitter now X is the best from that standpoint. Like, um, that's where I share most sports stuff. So it's Danny Ed O'Brien, so E D O'Brien. Um, that we were that, that that's the best one to reach out to me from that point of view. So I'll be sharing random stats, funny things, and hopefully Munster will do well this year, and I won't have to give out as much as I usually do. So. Absolutely, and you do have the sports radio show as well. Yep. So that's yep. That's every Saturday this week. It's a sports jersey, football jersey special. I managed to talk to somebody for an hour about that. That's how sad my life is. So I'll be tuned in. Um, uh, Simon, uh, how can we get still in contact it, with you? Anyone on the podcast? Still living it? Still living in the cave in Tullismar. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I can be your agent there, Simon. Anyway, you can uh, divert any kind of inquiries to Send on your Exactly, uh, for, for sure. But guys, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, like we started this, uh, you know, in January. But look, we might do this from the season start, particularly in August uh, next year. But guys, until yeah, sure, we'll chat in a few weeks anyway, offline. Yeah. But anyway, but many thanks for your contributions and yeah, uh, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, no, thanks, Harvey, Mark. Mark. All of it. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.